What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Senna Vending. I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about the importance of innovation and about innovation strategy. I want to welcome Michael Haynes. He's a B2B customer strategy consulting at Listen, Innovate, Grow. So welcome, Michael. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Good. So um, I want to know more. So what is an innovation strategy and why is it important? So innovation, great question. So innovation strategy, I'm talking about business innovation. So that is the way in which you make new introductions and or improvements across your organization in order to meet your business objectives. And I'm a firm, strong believer that this has to be done in alignment with, you know, customer, market, and in B2B buyer needs. So it's about having a deep understanding of those needs, um, those uh, markets, customers, and buyers you're seeking to serve, having a deep understanding around them, and then determining across five elements of innovation, products, services, your organizational structure, um, processes, and your marketing strategies, where can you make uh, new introductions, changes, and or improvements to meet the customer needs uh, of those customers and markets that you're serving and the buyers that you're serving as well in B2B because we must think at a buyer level. So that's what innovation strategies is looking at business innovation holistically across uh, the organi- across your organization. Yeah. So to succeed with innovation, um, you know, an, an organization have to do a lot of things and have it to, to make it right. But sometimes yes. things goes wrong. So what yes. is it that goes wrong? What is it that goes wrong? Um, I think one of the things that goes wrong, I think with innovation is that there's not enough of doing some of the fundamental work, which I call listening and gaining that in-depth understanding on three levels. There's what I call listening to you, which is as you as the business owner, senior management team, having an understanding of you as a business owner, having understanding of the company. You know, what are your strengths? Uh, what are your weaknesses? Where have you had success? So are there some patterns where there are certain industries, certain markets, certain customers where you're having great success? Are there certain um, products and service offerings where you're winning? So having a key understanding um, of where you're having success, where are your core capabilities and your strengths? So very important that you do that listening to have that internal understanding from a business leader and company perspective. Then you need to be making sure you do your listening to the market. And this is where I find many businesses, both the small, medium-sized businesses that I focus on working with, as well as corporate, where they don't do enough listening to the market. And that's having an in-depth understanding of what's going on in those industries, those geographic markets that you're serving? What are the trends that are happening? Um, are there new developments? What's happening in terms of technology and disruptions? What are your competitors doing? And making sure you have an understanding of your competitors. Um, so making sure you're spending a lot of time on that, uh, and that can be done through a variety of ways. And then there's listening to the customers. And so having an understanding of your customers' needs, priorities, objectives, um, where are they having key challenges? Um, but Santa, in B2B, it's not just good enough to understand at a company level. So you want to be getting into, let's say, the IT division of American Airlines. It's not good enough to just understand American Airlines and IT generally. You, we need to understand who are the decision makers if, let's say, you are a um, 
an IT strategy firm and you're looking to get into the IT areas within American Airlines, you need to understand who are those decision makers? What are their specific needs, priorities, drivers, and how do they make decisions? So it's really doing that in-depth listening, that in-depth understanding across those three levels. That's where I find there's not enough work being done. And then as a result, people start to innovate and they start building products and solutions that they think would um, that they think make a lot of sense, but are not in align with um, with you know customer market need. Um, they start undertaking strategies such as their marketing strategies, which aren't aligned to how business customers, business buyers buy. So it's really I find not doing enough of that upfront listening, uh, in-depth understanding, which needs to be done regularly. Cu yeah. Customer needs change, markets change, our environment's changing, lock <laughs> you know lockdowns, opening up, closing. So it's doing that upfront work really sets the framework for how you move forward. And I find it's that lack of not doing enough of that, that it leads to miss opportunities or creating products that people don't want, um, implementing marketing strategies, which don't give you the, the visibility, the reach, the credibility, and don't help buyers buy. Yeah. So is it possible now that you're saying, you know, you need to know so much about your customers to execute an innovation strategy that can be scalable? Because if we just looked at habits and how the world have changed over the last 18 months, almost two years, a habit has changed, right? How we interact with companies, how we interact, how we buy our groceries, um, a lot of change. So what, what is your advice for, you know, how to make a, a scalable innovation strategy? Well, uh, to have a scalable strategy, a scalable strategy, you first need to have an understanding of what's been going on with those, you know, um, in, within those industries and those customers. So you need to be doing, you need to be dialed in, you need to be listening all the time. So from a B2B perspective, I'm a big believer that, you know, you should be tapped into those industry and professional associations, for example, for your target industries, because they're constantly doing webinars, industry publications and events. So you can stay on the pulse of yeah. what's changing, what's new and different. Because we need to have an understanding of that. Talking to your customers, you know, talking to a subset of your current customers, having some in-depth, um, you know, uh, strategic type discussion. So you're understanding their, their pain points, their priorities, how they buy. Because then you'll build that understanding of what you need to do in terms of what you need to deliver to them, how you need to deliver to them. Yeah. Uh, and then you can then start trying to be putting into those, uh, developing those right product strategies, those right marketing strategies. And there you can start to see how you'll gain momentum, where you're winning and how you're winning. And then you, once you've gotten that right, then you can start to look at how can you scale and replicate based on that understanding, that research you've done, and then putting the right elements into play around your products or services, how you do yeah. your go-to-market. And then as you gain momentum and you're saying, okay, this is what's working, this is what's happening, then you can see how you can start rolling out to other industry segments, other seg customer segments, industry verticals, other markets. Yeah, so um, I think I saw an, a bank that was really fast when everything locked down and they were like, okay, we need to reach out to our customers. So how do we take walking in, right? And and taking that online instead. How And they some of them were fast of actually implementing the, the virtual bank uh, support that, that a customer will need uh, because either they put on a chat bot or they actually, they were fast on it. But I think they did it because they knew the, um, the process, what they understood the customer, what they were looking for, what they needed. So for them to build that out, actually 
um, helped them a lot under, you know, when everything was locked down. Um, but I'm sure other businesses is you will you will see that right if you can't react fast or scale mm -hmm. it's because either you don't understand your customers as what you're saying, or it's because you don't have a fully understanding of all the processes that's actually going on in, inside your company. Yes, you're exactly right. And when you, because that the whole listening to customers and staying on the pulse of what's happening with your customers and those industries that you're targeting, by keeping on the pulse and maintaining a regular understanding, then it's going to enable you to react fairly quickly because you know your customers, you know your customers, you know your buyers, you know, you're keeping, if by keeping on the pulse, you know as their needs change, their behaviors change, you're on top of that. So it will enable you to react very, um, very quickly and you will know what you, you need to do. So yeah. that's why it's very important that you need to have these kinds of listening mechanisms in place and have a cadence for regularly checking in to know what's going on within those industries that you're operating, you know, making sure you're talking to customers, you know, semi-regularly and so that you're staying on the pulse, then it allows you to react very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. How do you set up like a system or creating a culture to be pro-innovation? being ahead of the game. How do you, how do you go in and, and, and plant that seed in an organization? Um, I believe that, that to be setting that up, that really has to come very much from top down. Um, your leadership team really has to be on board uh, about being innovative and being about innovative in a business way. Again, it's about being holistic across the organization, but it really starts with the leadership team really uh, being on board and being championing that and having buy into that uh, so that you can then also empower your various teams uh, to be able to, and it's about empowering your, your team, empowering your staff uh, to have them, uh, encouraging them to uh, contribute new ideas, to be innovative and to really help um, operationalize, you know, as we're developing our business strategies, our innovation strategies, really empowering them and enabling them to take the lead and take charge to, okay, how do we implement and execute and really empowering that and rewarding and allowing people to be able to try things. And if they don't succeed, it's not gonna be as a black mark against them. I think that's quite key. So it's really leadership team setting the framework, empowering the staff, uh, empowering the teams and setting up that culture that, you know, um, failing is all right. And in fact, we need to fail to a degree so that we can learn, so we know how to move forward, how to be innovative and competitive. Yeah. So is it good to call fail it failures or do you have a better word for it? Because failure can be a little bit negative. Um, I, I don't know, attempts, probably, I don't know what, yeah, I don't, this probably is a better word. Um, yeah. uh, I guess it, 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 it's just encouraging people to take initiative, you know, to be yeah. innovative, to take initiative, to be action or to execute and to learn from your executions, from learn from those implementations. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, off the cuff right now, I don't have a better word for it. No, but it's okay. Yeah. But it's 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 encouraging them, you know, people to yeah. really execute, think, plan, yeah. execute, and then you know, um, you know, to step back to to learn, to revisit and and learn. I think really putting in that whole cadence of having that recheck, reset, yeah. um, and setting that. And so maybe it's about the frame about okay, we'll we'll do projects and initiatives, but where are we going to have the review and reset? Is what I like to call it. So setting up regular cadences to have review and reset um, sessions to learn. So maybe that's the language that should be used because that's what I use with my clients where we regularly will have review and reset sessions to say, what did we learn from the previous quarter? Um, what's working, what's not working? What do we have to do moving forward? So review and reset. Um, yeah. yeah, making sure that's built in within the organization. 
Yeah. So I, I also think if you go to an organization or a company, right, and you talk to the to the leadership, they will say, yes, it's important, right, to have this growth strategy, uh, and we need to have the innovation strategy as well. Um, how do you measure? Because how do you measure innovation? Um, well, I think you, you measure innovation based on, I think it has to come down to depending on you identifying, a, I guess, a, again, across the five different types of innovation, depending on what you're doing, then it's about having agreed upon metrics and working cross-functionally across the team to say, well, what are gonna be the agreed metrics? So for example, let's say in terms of marketing innovation. So in B2B, there are certain marketing innovations that should be used, such as, for example, you might wanna implement some account-based marketing strategies, for example. Uh, and so when you're introducing that, let's say as a new strategy, you might, you'll come up to some agreed metrics in terms of, you might agree on terms of number of cross sales, um, yeah, uh, the, the number of cross sales, the value of those upsells, um, you know, um, new referrals, uh, new customers. So for each element of, uh, of the different kinds of innovations, having the right kind of metrics that makes sense for them. Because um, for example, if we're talking organizational innovations and we're talking about, let's say, uh, collaboration, co-creation. So I'm an IT firm and I'm gonna be working with a marketing firm because we are gonna be doing workshops to target to be getting more um, mid-market customers. Your agreed metrics might be, okay, the number of qualified leads that we might get, uh, X number of new, let's say, initial um, service offerings we're able to sell. So for each type of innovations, coming up with the right kinds of metrics. So I, I personally believe it can't be this blanket innovation metric is X. I think we have to get far more uh, specific across yeah. the different types of innovations. What exactly are you going to be doing? Because again, it might be uh, mass major um, innovations, a new introduction, or it could be minor adjustment, but then coming up with the appropriate metrics, which really makes sense. Yeah. Um, and having that prescript prescribed across the five types of innovation. Yeah. So when, with a company, right, that, that's looking at doing innovation strategy, um, I'm sure there will come some change to it, that either they have to change the way they have done it before, um, yes. to, to, to get into this new world of, of innovation and how to, if it's to measure or it's how to go to market, um, how, how get you, how do you get the different teams, um, to be, to be one team and listen to each other? Cause I think the whole communication is one of the key success factors, um, to, to come out good in the, in, in the end. So, yeah. So I think one of the key things that you need to be doing is to, um, setting up the, the appropriate cross-functional teams, depending on what it is you're going to be doing. Um, so for example, in some of my previous roles, I've worked where um, a telecommunications company I was working with, they were developing some new uh, customer solutions, customer bundles, um, in order to meet the needs of some of the key segments that they're going after. So we set up cross-functional teams because that was gonna be involving you know, marketing, um, products, um, sales needed to be involved, operations needed to be involved uh, in terms of some of the delivery. And so bringing those teams uh, together, and then you need to be making sure that you're setting up regular mechanisms for regular communication. So having those regular cross-functional meetings, um, we also set up mechanisms in terms of where information was being stored. So we had a big knowledge management system where in terms of a central repository for where we could keep, you know, meetings for minutes, uh, issue logs, et cetera. So it's really setting up some structures of what makes sense in terms of having communications, um, regular meetings. We also had briefings for the executive teams as well, because different levels within the organization are going to need different levels of detail. And 
what you brief into the senior executives will be different from what you will be giving um, to folks who are working at a more grassroots level. So it's really putting in a lot of the appropriate um, communication mechanisms in terms of um, regular meetings, where you're gonna have your workshops, executive briefings, how information is collected and shared across yeah. the organization and, and, and really scripting that out so that um, people are getting the right kinds of information, people are being informed, um, so that information is being shared um, and then they can then um, use that to execute. Yeah, I, I always love examples. So thank you for sharing an example. Um, so going a little bit deeper, do, do, can you share some of the setback that you had, you know, with, with this example that you just mentioned? Oh, um, yeah. So there, there can be, yeah, there can be difficulties. This is the learnings, right? <laughs> yeah, the learnings. Yeah. Um, there, there can be in terms of setting up, but often sometimes needs to be a degree of education. Um, we found with the products team, because a lot of the product teams were engineers, um, having to try to educate them and as to, you know, customer requirements, customer need, a lot of it was really having to bring them into some of those strategic customer workshops, which we had, where we had some cross-functional discussion with some of our, the key uh, clients within that telecommunications company, so that those folks could hear firsthand what were some of the challenges from a product point of view and from an operations point of view, um, because they tend to have their they tend to have their very own view of the world um, and very much from a technical perspective, but not recognizing from a customer perspective what were some of the challenges in terms of utilizing the solutions, implementing it. Um, you know, things like order and fulfillment. So often there's an education component that has to come in um, where, I, where I found what's the key learning, where you can be bringing in those technical people to have those kinds of discussions with the same, their counterparts from the client customer organization is highly valuable because then they can talk the same language and we can start getting into the detail of what's needed to execute. Otherwise, if you just start getting these initiatives coming from marketing and strategy, um, you, you do get products and operations. People will think, well, this is somewhat academic um, uh, because like, well, how is this going to work? Is this really necessary? But by getting um, counterparts together to talk at a grassroots level and to get that customer perspective, that really helps move things along. Yeah. How did you make sure, because I, I, what I'm, I can see, and I've been in, in different organizations, it's always like transfer that knowledge between teams and make it available. Um, yeah. It's a yeah. challenge. Uh, so what's your what's your secret here? <laughs> okay, so I'll go back to the telecommunications company example. So we uh, um, set up quite a robust uh, customer insights portal. Yeah, it was the big massive report repository, and that had everything from all of our key customer insights, were, which were things like not just the sur operational surveys, customer relationship surveys. I put in a strategic workshop program. So with the key top 25 customers, we have cross-functional workshops. So represents representatives from the, um, from the telecommunications company and then uh, across the functional areas, representatives from the key customers. And so the, the minutes and learnings from those, everything, the segment plans, everything was stored in a central repository, all the projects and initiatives. So how they were aligned, um, the key project initiatives, you know, for which key accounts. So all of that was housed in a central repository. And then we had reporting output set up that you could get different levels of information um, 
produced. So you could get your executive level reports for the senior level folks, and then the detailed reports in terms of you know product specs and operation specs, all of that would be available for the various functional teams. So we had those, but then there were also regular briefings, regular meetings as well, where a lot of the learnings were shared. Um, we had quarterly customer insight briefings as well. So a very robust, we had a very robust communication strategy in terms of, again, how we um, had the knowledge, the knowledge sent to the customer insights portal, which was a central repository for everyone. everyone. Yeah. And then also having a number of meetings and briefings um, set up to uh, inform the different, um, senior management, project teams, et cetera. So it, it's quite, we had a quite a robust um, knowledge, knowledge management system and then communications plan um, in terms of regular meetings, um, you know, the, the intranet internal um, as well. So yeah, spending a lot of time in terms of really setting that up as to what makes sense as to the format and the frequency, what's needed for each, we spelled all of that out. So yeah. it, it's been a fair bit of time upfront planning, um, but it, it just made things work a lot better, a lot easier. Uh, and just to be making sure that the customer insight, those learnings are being used across the organization as well. Because um, we wanted to make sure that, for example, when we're having those meetings and discussions with key customers, that we made sure those learnings were fed into the business strategies, to the account plans. And so trying to make sure things are timed well so that um, those events don't go in isolation and you get account plans and marketing plans being developed. But okay, but you just had, we've just done 25 key strategic customer workshops. None of those learnings are being fed in. So it was trying to be making sure that it's all built in because that's how you get things executed when you go to that level of detail to specify, to say, okay, how are you going to be making sure these different learnings are going to get fed from a very practical point of view in terms of when operational view uh, operational plans are being made when product reviews are occurring when strategic planning is occurring making sure that it's aligned and there's time so that those inputs can be fed in yeah you are you have a passion here so so where's your passion where that, where does that come from with this all this innovation and being a consultant um, my passion is, yeah, all around innovation. I've always been very much customer driven. That's always yeah. been my, my focus, what I love to do. And um, throughout my career, even in my big corporate days, I was always brought in to be that middle, middle person to uh, kind of bring together marketing and strategy um, with the uh, executional folks. My motto is think, plan, execute. And so I've always been the one. And because I do think very customer driven and I get down to that granular level up okay well how are we going to execute because i believe anyone can write strategy but it's getting into the detail okay well how are we going to if we're going to put in put out that new customer bundle if we're going to have that new service level what does that actually mean for the frontline staff my brain tends to think very customer centric but very down to a very detailed level so I've, i was often brought in as the middle person to help develop strategy but then also be making sure it it happens and that that customer perspective that buyer perspective really happens now my passion is still that but it switched about helping small and medium-sized businesses yeah. to really succeed in b2b because i'm very passionate that b2b is the key to success it's the way it's where you can win as an entrepreneur and there's massive opportunities for small and medium-sized businesses but you have to understand the landscape of b2b and how it works uh, and if you can massive opportunities 
you know, um, long-term contracts, big revenues. Your current clients will be your, your revenue and referral engine to get more clients, but you really have to understand how to navigate. Because the days that no one gets fired for hi hiring IBM, those days are over. Business buyers, even in the big end of town now, are very open to uh, specialized niche and smaller players. That's how I got my very first um, marketing, my first strategy role as an independent consultant was working for a marketing director of a global HR firm. And she was of the view, well, I've tried some of the big name firms. She goes, paying you a fraction cannot, I can't do any worse. And in fact, I'll get better value. And that's how I got my first, uh, my very first consulting gig. And then my second consulting gig was working with a small niche firm after they had pay, paid a lot of money for a customer segmentation project by a big firm that remained nameless. And it was, it, it was nonsense. And so yeah. we had to, I was leading the team to redo the segmentation, to make it practical, to make it actionable. And so business buyers are very open to us as small, medium-sized businesses, but you have to understand the landscape, which has changed uh, in yeah. terms of how they buy. So I'm all about really trying to empower. It, yeah, empowerment is my theme. Empower small, medium-sized business leaders, how, what they need to know around the world of B2B and how do you execute strategically, but in a practical means that are meaningful for them to be able to you know, build, grow, and scale their businesses. Yeah. I, and I also think that sometimes instead of going to the bigger companies, if you go to like a smaller company or consulting, you're getting the, the expertise that you're looking for. Sometimes when you go to other companies or bigger companies, they're like, we do everything, right? Um, but yeah. what's the quality of we do everything? Um, and, yeah. and, and that's what I see in the market as well, that yes, maybe you need to have different consulting or different companies or different software that needs to communicate to each other, but the value and the quality you get out of it um, is so much better. Um, yeah, small, small and medium, your small and medium-sized players, your niche players, they often have, you know, we have the hunger, we have the desire, because we know what it means. A, getting those bigger clients are often hard to get, but we also know the strategic value of those clients, because if you get that, you know, big, that big, you know, mid-sized corporate client, that means, you know, long-term contracts, bigger revenues, they may give you referrals, um, to other customers, they may um, allow you to speak at their events to get access to, you know, further lead. So we know we know the value of those big opportunities and um yeah and so the, the level of client experience tends to be and client delivery does tend to be much higher because you know we have the hunger we know what it means in terms of what it can do for the business uh for the team members uh within the organizations themselves so yeah they, we, we tend to go you know yeah um above and beyond far more so than some of the bigger counterparts to can rest on their uh, can rest on their laurels a bit yeah so um, what's, what's trending right now? If you look at, at businesses, right? What's the most important or what's trending right now if you're sitting there as a mid-sized company and saying, I, need, I, wanna, I wanna do some more? What's, uh, what's um, the- I, I think uh, one of the things that is trending and that's a bit of a challenge is the nature of B2B buying. Um, I think that's one of the big things is that um, business buyers now are doing a lot more of their independent research um, they're taking longer to do their research and they want to do their more independent research before they want to talk to any representative from you, from your organization. Uh, so that's something that really a lot of companies, big and small, really need to get their heads around because it's really now around buyer enablement, enabling, providing the right kinds of advice, insights, 
uh, road mapping to your prospective clients and customers uh, to help them with their buying decisions because they want to do a lot of that independently. Uh, and so it's making sure you're providing those right tools and knowing where you need to be visible, where are the strategic places to be visible so that you can be found uh, as a potential solution. So it's really getting uh, your heads around how business buyers are buying and they really it's no longer around selling to them, it's around enabling them to buy. So it's really changing um, how you operate. Marketing and sales have to be working in collaboration, not just in alignment, because marketers have to be the ones I believe to really have that depth of understanding and providing those insights and tools recommendations. And the sales teams now need to be having those kinds of real strategic advisory discussions in terms of how are you going to work with the client with that prospect. So it's really changing the nature of um, what mar how marketing and sales need to work together, what they yeah. need to do, and really understanding that whole dynamic of how business buying is buying. Because it's, it, it's quite different. It was starting to change, um, I think, previously before all of this pandemic. But I think uh, all of that has been exacerbated now because there is so much more online, um, people doing more work online and independent um, that you really, I think that's one of the big changes and big challenges is really around how do we enable buyers to buy as opposed yeah. to selling to them. It's really around getting around that whole enablement piece, um, which is a bit more challenging now. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think if you look at you and me, right, we do more research, as you just said, if we are going to buy something and we, we do the research before we reach out and saying, okay, now I'm ready to ask my questions or to find out the last 2% before I make my final decision. Sometimes that research can construct over longer periods because oh, okay, I'll read your white paper, fine. And then might talk to a few colleagues and something, and then they might, you know, dabble and, and look at some other piece of content, other sources. So they're, they're going through a lot more sources and take over a lot more periods of time now. Um, yeah, so it's exactly, as you said, it's really reflecting and understanding how we buy ourselves yeah. and some of that thinking process and behaviors and really incorporating that into a B2B content. Cause you're exactly right. That's exactly yeah. a business buyer. We're taking that consumer That's lens in terms of researching, talking to people, taking our time. Um, and so we have to recognize that as product and service providers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also now I'm just standing here, how we communicate, right? Because yes. If somebody calls you on your cell phone, you're like, I don't know that number. Should I answer? Nah, maybe not. Right? I don't. I don't yeah, answer right? any questions. Okay, any numbers I don't recognize. Okay, Go to yeah, I don't. <laughs> no. So, that, so the I way you have it. to communicate, right, when when your customer or that prospect is actually contacting you, um, it do they want to have? Do you want? Do they want you to call them, or is it per email, or, or do they want to have some? answers they can they can search on or questions they can search on on the website first there's a lot of things you have to have implemented so you're making sure yeah. you are you're feeding them uh, the right way <laughs> and then they still come back because yeah. you're spot on it's about enabling them to communicate and engage on their terms not ours um which is why for me personally i don't do cold calling. I know there's some B2B sales folks who say, Michael, that's ridiculous. I'm not big on the whole um, cold calling. I think we need to use other ways to enable that trust and uh, allow them to engage when they want to, as opposed to um, me getting on the phone and calling someone 
out of the blue and they don't know me. Um, yeah, I think there's other avenues, social media, yeah. email, et cetera, where you can be made aware. Yeah. Um, and it's about finding that alignment, what makes sense, what makes sense for your customers, what may also make sense for you and your organization as well, what, um, yeah, what makes sense. But it's, it's all about on their terms and it's about enabling the buyers now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, so looking back, what would you have told yourself like in a good advice like 10 years ago? Oh, 10 years ago, I think um, what I would have told myself is that you have to invest to grow. Uh, I've been an independent consultant now for well over 10, 11 years. And when I first started, I thought uh, you can work for yourself, but you can't work by yourself. And when I first started as an independent consultant, I tried to do everything. I thought, well, I have background in marketing strategy. I can do everything. Doesn't yeah. work that way. Um, if you want to build and grow your business, you're going to, you need to know your strengths and then you need to invest in those other areas which are needed for your business and where you're not strong in your business. So you, you do have to invest, which means time, effort, and money and it took me a while and I had to have a few fumblings uh and you know a few failures uh, before yeah. I, I got right that you know what if I really want to have a sustainable business and if I want to have a business that's going to grow I have to know where my strengths are and where I need to have areas of support uh which is, is in terms of building my skills, but also other key areas of the business where I need to invest and, you know, get subcontractors to help me on different elements. So the invest to grow in terms of time, effort, and money to build and grow your business is um, something, yeah, kind of wish I had known a little bit earlier, um, but got there in the end. Hey, you know more today. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> It's always a journey, right? <laughs> yes, always, always. Uh, no. Um, thank you so much for, for being on my podcast today. I, I really enjoyed the conversation and just, you know, innovation strategy. I love innovation. Um, and also just talking about the buyers, right? The enabling that buyer. And I'm, I always think it, you always have to look at yourself, put the, yourself in the yep. shoes and say, how does it look if I look inside, you know, the company you work for? What does it feel? Do they communicate? You know, what's actually going on? Yeah, it's, um, you know, understanding the buyers is a key to knowing how you will innovate for them. Um, because at the end of the day, there's kind of three key questions we need to answer. What to deliver uh, to our clients and customers, how we need to deliver to them in terms of their service, their experience, and then how to promote and engage with them. So those are the three key questions we need to answer, uh, which will tell us, and based on understanding our customers and our, uh, and our markets, we'll know how to innovate across the various elements to answer those three key questions. So the two go hand in hand. Understanding your customers and buyers will tell you where and how to innovate so you can build, grow, and win. So it all kind of fits together. Yeah, I love your passion. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's been great fun. If you enjoy this podcast, maybe you'd like to hear more, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure also to check out our website, mindtheinnovation.com. And remember, stay curious and keep learning.